Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Castle Zealandia, 1661. For much of the 17th century, southern Taiwan was under Dutch rule. From its nerve center in Batavia, today's Jakarta, the Dutch East India Company ensured that its flag stayed planted on Taiwanese soil. It was a time rich with colorful characters, pirates, merchants, missionaries, and peasant rebels. As Lynn Scott knows, it all makes for perfect drama. Lynn co-wrote and directed the radio drama series Tales of Dutch Formosa a grand tour of the period based on historical records. Today, she'll be telling us about the most dramatic episode in the whole series, the final one, when everything falls apart. In 1661, when the trouble begins, Governor Frederick Coyette is in charge. He has warned his bosses about signs of danger from China, but he's only been ridiculed or ignored. The threat comes from a man the Dutch call Coxinga, Coxinga comes from a powerful family of Chinese pirates, though they might have preferred the term businessmen. His family and the Dutch go way back, even allying at times. But now, Coxinga's family is splitting apart. China has been invaded from the north, and some relatives have chosen to cooperate with the invaders. Coxinga has decided to fight them, and he'll need Taiwan as a base. Taiwan has been hit by plagues of locusts and other strange events. What kind of state did Coxinga find Taiwan in when he arrived? Well, there were only, as I believe it, accounts of only of a thousand Dutch left inside Fort Zealandia. And, of course, others were spread out around the island the plagues and the, the locusts and uh, also the effects of the malaria had pretty well reduced their numbers. They were not getting supplies and reinforcements from Batavia, and so it was not flourishing uh, at that time. The occupation of Coxinga pretty much was uh, he intended to just wipe out all evidence of the Dutch. So immediately he would confiscate land, he would burn or destroy certain buildings or anything that might be left over from the Dutch. So it was pretty much wiped out the things that they, they had built there. The Dutch colony sits on the shores of a shallow inland bay. When Coxinga shows up, only a handful of Dutch ships are at home. Coxinga has a few hundred ships. The Dutch ships that aren't destroyed run out to sea, and one of the Dutch forts, called Fort Provincia, soon surrenders. Only the other fort, Castle Zealandia, is left. How do local Chinese react to Coxinga? Chinese immigrants have built up the colony, but relations with their Dutch rulers aren't always smooth. Is Coxinga a liberator or just another nuisance to replace the Dutch? Well, there are some very, very dramatic and, and different views here. Um, initially, the local people were very happy to get rid of the Dutch uh, rule 
and certain requirements like going to school and the books. And so there really is an account in the diaries of the inhabitants of the local villages burning the books, which I took as a kind of metaphor. But at the same time, they began to realize that things were not going to all be that rosy because Coxinga and his people were confiscating the land. And although in the beginning they were passing out Chinese robes and boots and giving little tokens to the local people, in the end they were actually taking the land. And so there was a very interesting point that only those local people who had learned to write with the Dutch education and who had a deed for their land were able to keep that land. From the beginning, Governor Coyette has a huge mess on his hands. And one of the great things about Lin's dramatization is how it assigns a real historical character to each of the problems Coyette faces. Rivalry and selfishness are one big problem, and they're represented by the character of Vanderlaan. The real-life Vanderlaan was sent to protect the colony, but he hated Governor Coyette. The Dutch East India Company, or VOC, had a faction problem. There seemed to be some personal animosity between another employee of the VOC, a, a Captain Vanderland, who seemed to want to promote his own credentials at the expense of Coyette. He would pass certain gossip about Coyette and explain to people that Coyette was really a very poor leader and that he himself, Vanderland, would do a lot better. And when he was allowed to leave the time of the siege and go back to Batavia, he proceeded to spread more of those lies with the intention of promoting himself. And so he would say that, uh, for example, Coyette was mistaken, that there was never going to be a siege and that all of this was just a kind of rumor on the part of Coyette to make people think that they needed him. So there was a lot of misinformation and personal rivalry that was going on at the time. And perhaps that would be the reason that Batavia stalled and did not send in a timely manner reinforcements. Wild overconfidence was another serious problem. This is represented by the character of Pedal, who arrogantly leads a small company out to charge against Coxinga's forces. Keep in mind that the Dutch force is tiny. Pedal claims that the Chinese force will collapse once it gets a taste of Dutch muskets. He and his company are blown to shreds. Where did all this bravado come from? Well, of course, they were observing the, the Chinese army from the battlements of Fort Zealandia, and they, I, I suppose, they would have a kind of feeling of superiority because the, the Chinese cannon were not that effective in actually destroying the, the walls of Zealandia. So there are accounts in the, uh, the diaries of those last days of the Chinese are rather naive. They're firing their cannon, but 
they're not making that much damage to the walls and that in the evening the soldiers would go out and they would dismantle or they would uh, in some way create a, a situation where the cannons were no longer able to fire. So they just, you know, didn't particularly admire the strategies of the Chinese forces. Although they were huge numbers, they seemed to look down on the on the uh, strategy, the warfare. But one of the biggest problems was defection. One European even sped up his own side's defeat by revealing a fatal flaw in the defenses. But as we'll be hearing, despite his huge numbers of troops, things were going very badly for Koxinga too. What made people switch sides so easily when Koxinga's victory wasn't yet a foregone conclusion? Many of the soldiers and the people who were there were not really loyal or particularly interested in supporting of the VOC. They were there for more self-interest. And when it looked like things were going bad for the, for the Dutch side, they were just seeking to save themselves and attempting to, you know, to be like traitors and go over to um, the Coxinga side, thinking to gain perhaps some reward or to at least to survive. What were Coxinga's people doing through all this? How did the siege of Castle Zealandia end? And who's responsible for how it ended? These are the questions we'll be tackling next week. Plus, Lynn will be sharing what her research has found about the personalities of the real-life Coyette and Coxinga. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me then for our next journey through time.